It's Wednesday, April 6th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann, from Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross. Guys, good to see you. Good to hey, see Chris. you, Chris. We've got earnings from Monsanto, and Blockbuster has a new owner. Those stories in a moment, but we begin today with Transocean. It was just days ago, Transocean disclosed executives received bonuses for the, quote, best year in safety performance in the company's history. This was, also again quoting, notwithstanding the tragic loss of life in the Gulf of Mexico when the Deepwater Horizon exploded. Now the company has announced that executives are donating their safety bonuses to a fund for the families of the victims in that explosion. Uh, Bill Mann, I will start with you. Uh, Transocean has been hammered by a lot of people recently, including us. Um, To what extent, if any, does this undo the damage? Uh, You know, I'm so mystified about this, I can't even, I I almost can't even really speak. I mean, these are just bad people running this company. I mean, that's just... (laughs) They, they get a bonus. I mean, where's the common sense that says, okay, we have this formula, but maybe because we nearly destroyed the entire Gulf of Mexico, maybe we might not want to take it. So this is the solution. They're going to give back part of their bonus, which, by the way, is still shareholder money. So essentially, they are donating shareholder money to... I, don't, I can't even speak. I'm so blown away by, by this. Charlie? It's it's utterly absurd. This is like being guilted into giving to charity, not because you thought it was the right thing to do out of the goodness of your heart, but because you had some like obligation from somebody that made you feel bad about being a total heel. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Ron, what do you think? <laughs> I think the big, the, the real huge error here is somebody writes the proxy statement, writes the annual report, and they make claims like this was our safest year in history and then there's a <laughs> proofreader and then probably three or four other people that read something like that yeah. when did, why didn't somebody raise their hand and say wait a minute maybe it's not something we want to be proud of or put out there let's take into account the loss of life and billions and of dollars billions in extra dollars in expenses <laughs> um it's just it's insensitive and that's the nicest way i can put it so i mean certainly based on our reaction it seems likely they're they're due for another spanking. Like it's just like another, like another public caning for Transocean. It's it like when I my uh, nun in third grade came at me with the paddle. That's what they deserve. Because they're I mean because they're trying. Is she to... available? <laughs> That's what we need to do. Send a pack send of them nuns. A, send them a nun. Yeah. <laughs> a swarm of nuns. But seriously, they're trying to fix this. Uh, they dug themselves into a hole. It seems like they're just digging themselves even deeper. You know, to me, we spend so much time thinking about managements. We want managements that are aligned with a lot of things. We want managements who are good to their customers. They're good to their shareholders. They're, you know, they're good for the, you know, for the common good. And these guys just missed. They missed with their first swing. And that's it. I mean, to me... This makes this kind of company unownable. Unownable for anyone? Well, I mean, somebody's got to own it, but I mean, it just it, for me it's such a it, you know, it's such a black mark on this management team. This doesn't fix anything. Charlie, do you think that uh, this is one of those situations where to make things right, they need to go outside the company. They need to basically have some sort of overhaul, whether it's of the way they evaluate their safety performance. As was said earlier, you know, any year you have an explosion that comes close to destroying the Gulf of Mexico, that kills nine of your own employees, 
uh, maybe you need to rethink the you metrics. Know, like hiring a modern-day Don Draper to uh, <laughs> polish up the image a little bit. Well, look at Exxon today. I mean, they had the Valdez disaster a couple decades ago, and now nobody really cares. And, you know, their, their business is normal, and people are happy to own that stock. So uh, this is a country where uh, redemption is possible. Uh, and, uh, you know, a few years down the road, people forget. People have short memories, unfortunately. Uh, Ron, I'll just close with you. As a former hedge fund manager, um, is this the kind of thing that you or or anyone in the hedge fund industry would look at and and say, you know what, because of this, uh, I'm I'm avoiding this stock? Well, you you know the the money management industry. At the right price, (laughs) at the right price, everything is a buy. I don't know if I I personally agree with that, but the industry as a whole certainly does. So, um, if you lose faith in a management team, it's hard to own a company. Um, so I would have to personally see um, them really change things. And that means years from now, not months or it would quarters take a, from now. It would now. take a much bigger discount. Is <laughs> exactly. Right. Which is ultimately, I mean, you know, shareholders need to think about that. If you're demanding a bigger discount, that means you want a cheaper stock price before you think that the company is a value at all. Agreed. Rising corn seed sales helped push Monsanto's second quarter profit up 15%. Charlie Drivers, that beat analyst expectations, but the stock was falling today. What's going on? We're really nailing the companies that people love to hate here today. (laughs) (laughs) Monsanto is uh, up at the top of the list. Um, So the thing is, Monsanto is really the only game in town for agricultural biotech. Uh, They spend a billion in R&D, and corn is the big driver of their business. It's uh, two-thirds of their profit, and with, you know, corn prices skyrocketing and huge demand, uh, it's, it's been a good year for Monsanto, and their profits are showing it. Uh, corn prices, they're at their highest level in almost three years. Um, Ron, I know this is uh, a metric that you've been watching. You've talked about this. On Isn't the past. that weird? That it's something I actually watch. I need a hobby. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we uh, farmers have just planted the second largest corn crop since 1944. Obviously, when prices are high, you plant what is selling at, at a favorable price. That actually may end up bringing prices down as uh, corn floods the market. Um, But it has implications um, for many things, from chicken uh, farmers to uh, agricultural companies to companies like Deer & Company, which I've mentioned um, on Motley Fool Money radio show. Um, Companies, agricultural harvesters and tractors will be in high demand to um, uh, really harvest this crop once it it you know, it's time. We planted gold in our backyard. I'm going to see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So um, so who are the losers when it comes to the higher corn prices? I mean, is is Chipotle, just to pick one restaurant company that we've talked about before, I mean, to, to what extent are they looking at a metric like that and just starting to get a little nervous? Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, there's, a, there's a lot of end users that are not happy about rising corn prices. Uh, you know, everyone from ethanol producers to the livestock uh, producers who feed the animals corn uh, to the spirit makers, uh, particularly bourbon that is, uh, you know, <laughs> whoa, whoa, near, whoa, whoa. My, yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. Bourbon is going to go up? It, the price it, of bourbon it, it, is going very up? Well may. So Chris, Chris Hill is the big loser. That's Chris what Hill. <laughs> Food price and inflation in general, not just corn, is, is a really a major problem in the emerging market economies. And, and here for the working class, I mean, it is a major big deal when you are poor and you can't afford food. Um, and there's been rioting all over the world as a result. And it's, it is something that's pretty serious. I would say that you're going to see you, – you are very likely to see some activism from, from governments around the world. It's already happened. But you may see some here. We have a very high unemployment rate and we have spiraling basic food costs. And so you really may see some activity coming out of, uh, coming out of Washington, D.C. as a result of this. That's, that's assuming the government is not shut down later this week. 
Well, they got to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be open for business. <laughs> Finally, the Dish Network won the blockbuster bankruptcy auction with a bid of $320 million. Uh, Ron Gross, the Dish Network stock is basically flat today. Um, so, how big a win is this for them? <laughs> I'm not sure if, if we can necessarily draw a conclusion. <laughs> Companies that make an acquisition, their stocks actually usually go down. So the fact that it's flat may mean that the, <laughs> the uh, market is acting um, positively towards this. But mm-hmm. it's hard to say. I think I'm going to give them a, an this is okay uh, kind of. When you get down to it, it's really only $228 million in cash that Dish will have to pay. Um, it gets them the Blockbuster on-demand um, service, which is the online um, mm-hmm. downloading and streaming video, which is, I think, what they're going after, another competitor to Netflix, perhaps something that would be interesting for Netflix um, owners uh, to be aware of. They'll get the 1,700 stores. That doesn't impress Meh. me that much. Um, <laughs> they, they say they'll, they'll use it as cross-promotional ways to, to have people sign up for the Dish service. Nah, that seems like not yeah. so great. I'd like to see them close a lot of those stores. They get the expense of sh- shutting down 1,700 stores is what they get. Exactly. I think, you know, Carl Icahn was one of the, the bidders that lost out to Dish. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably saying, oh, okay, you can have it. Um, it was less than a decade ago that Blockbuster, uh, as a standalone company, was worth five billion dollars. What was their critical mistake? What you know was was there one thing in particular that got them to this point where they were up for auction, Charlie? Uh, this would be the typical Clayton Christensen uh, disruptive innovation model, where the incumbent in the industry doesn't see the upstart who has a better business model coming until it's far too late, and the response does not work, and it's game over. Yeah, I think that the, I, I think that's exactly right. And what they did was they they doubled down on their investment of the stores rather than the Netflix. Then going after Netflix at whatever price was available at the time. I mean, pay them a lot. Just get it. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings uh, has said in the past that um, it was actually paying late fees that led him to start Netflix. He, he ended up, I think it was Apollo 13 he rented. He didn't return it for a, a very Ever. long time. <laughs> and he basically got in the position, I'm sure all four of us have been in it. He started board. mailing it no. out to people. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> no I was gonna say that. He, he got in the position that the four of us had been in where he thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to go tell my wife that you know I'm paying a $40 late fee or whatever it is. Um, uh, people it, people forget how abusive Blockbuster was to their customer base. And then when somebody else came along that had a great customer experience and gave you everything you wanted and they were nice to you, people left in droves from Blockbuster. Wow, there's, yeah. a, there's an edge of glee in your <laughs> I, I was so happy. They, they really lost their way. So they went from late fees to saying, okay, no late fees, but a small restocking fee. And then they said, well, maybe we'll put part of our store to video games and video game equipment. They said, well, maybe then we're going to actually increase the amount of candy we That's sell right. in the store. We're going to sell bonbons for people who right. aren't coming and into the store you anyway. You could see the beginning of the end all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in closing, do you have a movie recommendation for me? And it can you can take the flip side of that, which is you know a movie that you, that you absolutely think I should avoid, Charlie. Uh, the one to avoid. Uh, my wife just turned off Eat, Pray, Love after twenty minutes. Wow! Yeah, she said. And it's she's just, a woman. Your wife. And huh? she's a woman. Uh, Julia Roberts having uh, a normal, you know, good life who intentionally screws it up is the way I hear it. Was not a compelling story. Okay. All right, Bill Mann. You know, this might not be out on a limb, but I love Despicable Me. <laughs> I, it <was> good. <laughs> it's strong. I own it. Yeah. It's a great movie. Just 
It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, yeah. as animated movies go, it is great. And yeah. some some. And it's so, one of those ones where if you if some you, good subversive humor in it too. Yeah, if people who have kids have probably mostly seen it, but people who don't have kids, I mean, it's it's like the Looney Tunes was. I mean, it used to be you know you you would get a lot of humor out it out of it as an adult. Ron. I'm going to go old school on you, Chris, okay. with a movie that has always made me laugh. It's called The In-Laws with Alan Arkin and Peter Falk, Peter Falk a yeah. dentist and a CIA agent type guy. I just think it's one of the funniest movies. That, now, now, wasn't that remade with like Michael Douglas? Yeah, forget. No, the old one. The old <laughs> one. That's like the Arthur. That's specifically useful. That's this, like, this, not that. Yeah, that's like the Arthur remake, which is just getting roundly panned. It's like Ooh. just just rent the original Arthur. Oh, it's yeah. such a classic. Yeah. They keep trying to redo Fletch. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, <laughs> mm, yeah. all right, the original. Ron Gross, Bill Mann, Charlie Travers, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Creer, who's celebrating his birthday today. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Happy birthday to you. Are we good? Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go with the cha-cha-cha, huh?